0: I enjoyed my job, but there were aspects of it that were frustrating, and what I realized was that having this academic piece in my life was enough to sort of rejuvenate me and like turned on parts of my brain that I didn't realize needed getting turned on. It's what you needed. It is what I needed, and it balanced me, even though it was more work, but I was happier and I was fueled. Hey, Mama. What do you think of when you hear
1: the word success? Fame, status, and fortune? What about rocking your baby to sleep or coaching Little League, advocating for your special needs child or mastering meal planning, maybe going back to school or starting your own business? The truth is success looks different for us all, and it may change depending on the season of life you're in. After finding myself in a dark place, I decided to set an example for my two boys by intentionally choosing what I wanted for my life and seeking it, even if it was scary. And now I'm so excited to bring you stories of other moms who are living out their version of success. I plan to ask these incredible women not only about their journeys, but how they are making it through the madness and the magic that we all know as motherhood. So whether your assistant just brought you a hot espresso or you're rocking your baby on a third cup of reheated coffee, settle in and get ready for some goodness. I'm Shannon Carruthers, and this is the Successful Mama Podcast. Hey, Mama. Do you want to make a change in your life but you feel like there is no way you could add anything else in the mix? I get it. That's why I created a simple list of 10 habits you can start today that help produce big change, even in the chaos of motherhood. Go to shannoncaruthers.com slash momhabits to get a copy sent straight to your inbox. That's ShannonCarruthers.com slash momhabits. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of the Successful Mama podcast. I am so excited for you to meet our guest today. She is phenomenal. I met her a little while back, and I've just fallen in love with her, and I know you will, too. So her name is Kwan Collins. Hi, everyone. Yes, she's wonderful. I can't wait for you to hear her story. But before we start, I wanted to kind of tell how we met. Okay. And um, we met at a an event for the Catalyst Center which is leading ladies that and was fun. yes. And Quan was the speaker, the keynote speaker. And of course, when they went to read her, um, you know, it was so long, <laughs> it was so long. All of the things that she had accomplished in her bio, it was, it went on and on. I was like, Oh my goodness, this lady is amazing. Um, a lot of intimidation there, I would say anyway. So then we ended up having a mutual friend who introduced us and I was so excited. And then we, I was nervous, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean that's sure. you know kind of scary. Okay. I was just branching out because I had been a stay-at-home mom for years, like seven years, and that was my very first step into like networking mm-hmm. again and getting out of my shell. Such
0: a great job. Well, thank
1: you. Mm-hmm. That was sweet. So anyway, fast forward. I had told some of my friends that I had met at the event. I was like, okay, I'm really nervous about you know we're going to go to lunch, and we're walking out, and they have these refreshments. And I remember they had some grapes and it was like a charcuterie board. (laughs) And the grapes, a lot of the times they're, they're hard to get, right? You would think they would separate the grapes, go ahead and take them off the stem. But these were like a massive amount of grapes on one stem. Yeah. Uh And so I had tried to get some, I was like, how does anybody get these? And so we're walking to go to our table and I look over and Quan has a plate with a massive bunch of grapes on it. (laughs) That's and so I, totally I was can't. like, I, I like her already. Like I knew that was the moment I was like, okay, we're good. I think I'll get along with her. Great. So that's so funny. Yes. I totally forgot about that. That's hysterical. Okay. So with that being said, Kwan, could you tell us your story?
0: Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me here. And uh, I do remember, you know, our first lunch together and this being merely an idea. And yes. I'm so proud of you for... Making this happen. This is very exciting. Thank you. You you gave me the push I needed. Well, I I'm think, so, so glad. This is why you know I do what I do. But um, so my story. Uh, let's see. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My parents met uh, there in college, and they got married, had me, and then very quickly moved to Menlo Park, in California, and they got jobs in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. So. Um, My formative years, so age 4 to 17, I grew up in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. I had no idea. It's crazy. So um, it's a very Muslim country. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the, you know, Saudi Arabia is the home of the two uh, holy cities for for Islam. And so very conservative, very religious. But it worked for my family because they, you know, they weren't really you know, clubbers or anything, you know, so the whole nightlife thing or lack of nightlife wasn't an issue for them. And they had good work though. They had really good work and they had, you know, schools were good for me. So we really had everything that they needed. And um and it for the most part, I mean, it was it was a lovely experience. The Saudi people are, you know, very warm and welcoming people and um, you know, I think my family being conservative helped, obviously, because it was an easy—it was easy for them for the most part. Um, when I became a teenage girl, um, I started to understand the cultural differences. Like up until that point, I don't think it was an issue for me. Like, I mean, you know, I was home, I went to school, I had my friends. Yeah. So it, for the most part, it was a very normal childhood. And it wasn't until I—I uh, I was a teenager—and we would spend summers like three months. Uh, overseas. so we would go to Europe or the States or something. and like for those three months I was a Western person, right I could dress how I wanted, I could go where I wanted. and when we would come back I would have to remember that oh, okay, I can't do those things here. Mm-hmm. And it started to like bother me because I'm like I want I want to do the things that I've been doing and why can't I do it here? And I knew I knew the reasons why, of course, but as a teenager, you know, you kind of are starting to rebel and right. be like, this is not my, you know, this is not how I want to be. And so I remember coming back from summer and starting school and I had a girlfriend who wanted to go to get a burger after school, which sounds like a totally normal thing to do, except her brother, so women can't drive. I mean, they can now, but when we when I was there, they couldn't drive. And so her brother came to pick us up from school. So the rules in Saudi Arabia are you are not, like unmarried women cannot be with a boy that is not their brother, their husband, their father. Those are the only three men that you can be in a close proximity to. And so her brother was that, that was what they call like haram. It was against the rules. So I get into the car and I'm not thinking about it because I had just come back from the States and I'm not, you know, it's like mm-hmm. I'm with my friends and we're gonna go get a Right, dinner. It just
1: seems like a normal thing to do.
0: So we get to the Wendy's and in also in the restaurants, there's like the family section and the men's section. There's no in between. So you're either with your family as a girl or you don't go. So we go to the family section to order our meal and the guy behind the counter can tell I'm not related to my friends. So they call the religious police. And so we finish our meal, we get back in the car, and literally there are like 20 suburban GMCs surrounding our vehicle. Like, why 20? There's three of us. Wow! And it's the bearded men, and they came, and they're like, hey, so you need to come with me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And, of course, I'm, you know, again, 16, and I... I'm starting to form my personality, and let's just say I was not very pleased with being told I had to get in the back of a vehicle, and for nothing, like, I didn't... I was about to ask, mm, were you terrified? Because I think I would have been... I think I been. was more angry but I, first. I did okay, get there, okay. but at first, I'm like, I'm upset. So, I get in the back, and they don't even let me sit in the back seat. I'm in the trunk, like, in the back. back. I can't even, like... Uh, yes. Well, because that wouldn't be okay because right. you would be with them. Exactly. Oh. So we go to the police station and it's not like I even have a phone call or anything because that's, that's not what they do. So they start asking me questions about this boy and who, who is he? I'm like my friend's brother and he's like, um, you know, are you dating him and like stuff like that. And I stop answering the question because I'm like, I'm not answering your questions anymore. So then he's upset and he leaves. So I'm pretty sure like, so keep in mind, my parents are expecting me home. It's the end of school. And now it's like nighttime and they don't know where I'm at. I can't call. I can't do anything. Can you imagine as a parent? I like, I don't even know what they were doing. And they're in a foreign country on top of everything. So um, finally, they take me to the foreign women jail. And this is where I start to get scared. And I don't know how my parents are going to find me. So fortunately, my dad was pretty high up and like working in the Saudi government. And he pulled every favor. And finally, at midnight, I'm pretty sure it was close to midnight. He, he came and let the lady showed up and she's like, your dad's here. And I'm like, thank God. <laughs> And I promised my dad that night. I'm like, I will never go out. I will not do anything. I won't even think about a boy. (laughs) Of course, that was a lie, but, you know, (laughs) whatever. Um, So, anyways, that was childhood. And then I was very motivated to leave the country, so I skipped the 11th grade, not because I was brilliant, but just because I was so motivated to leave. And I went, uh, you know, I came to college in the States. I had applied mostly in the D.C. area because I knew my parents were going to settle there. And uh, so, you know, the usual George Washington, George Mason, American University of Maryland. And I loved the University of Maryland's campus. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going there um, and did my electrical engineering degree. And, you know, the reasons for picking electrical engineering were because my dad said that I was good at math and science and that I should do that. And I said, okay, I listened to my dad. I was daddy's girl. And, uh, but did I understand what that meant to be an electrical engineer? Oh, no. So I get there and you know I'm like one of two girls in the department of electrical engineering and the boys are mean. And I get to all these classes and the math is ridiculously hard. I I mean I'm good at math, but you know when you can't even understand the words that are coming out of your professor's mouth, it was very scary and my the only thing that kept me going was that everybody thought I was going to quit. And that was what motivated me because I'm Who like, are are, I know, no, I know. Surely not. So I'm like, oh, really? You think I can't handle this? Watch me. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, that is what fueled me. And I figured it out. I got study groups. I had friends that finally, you know, we like helped each other and we would divvy up the homework and that's how we got through it. And there was maybe some alcohol intake, but. Um, so then i graduated finally and i you know my senior year i finally got into my degree i was i had a really great professor and he was my first i guess mentor because he found me like internships and he just like took me under his wing and i helped him with some research that he was doing in biomedical engineering so in my head upon graduation i thought i was going to be a researcher and i was going to do this biomedical stuff and maybe get an md phd kind of thing i mean it was crazy that what i was thinking and but I was tired because I had been in school for five years at this point, and I wanted a break before I kept going. So I thought, well, as an engineer, I can find a job, and it was pretty easy to find a job at that time. I graduated in '97, and um, <clears throat> so I I took the first offer I got, which is not what you're supposed to do. But I didn't really think I was now getting you know, a job. Right? Now I know. And it turned out it was a really fun job. So it was with a small uh, consulting firm in Shirlington, Virginia. And it was a consulting gig. I was the uh, research assistant for are you ready for this? The Secretary of the Air Force for the acquisition of satellite systems in the Pentagon. Hmm, And I have no idea what that meant. So I'm 23 years old, I graduated, and this is the job I have. And so I buy a couple suits and I get all dressed up and I'm going to the Pentagon, which is super cool. And I show up and I'm working for a one star because that's like, you know, no big deal in the Pentagon. Like basically the lowest rank is like an 06 usually, Colonel um and yeah my customer is a one star general and i'm 23 and i cool. don't know what yeah. i'm doing there <laughs> cool so the the thing the job was there were these program element monitors which effectively was like a program manager and they managed military satellite communications programs and as the house and senate arms committee would make decisions on the money and the budget they would roll that down to the program element monitor and then we would have a rebuttal basically because you would say, they would say, like, we're going to cut $20 million off of this program. What's the impact? And so, my job was literally to just write these papers. I had 30 minutes to write a one page paper to say, This is what the reasons why we can't cut the money from this program because these war fighters aren't going to get communications in this region, and blah, blah, blah. So, no idea really what I'm doing other than I know how to write. And I knew how to communicate with other people and get the information that I needed. So my job was to call the engineers in El Segundo, California, and tell them that this is what was coming down, understand technically what was going to go wrong and what the impact was to the program, and then write it down. And write it in a way that was convincing enough that they wouldn't cut it. Like it was so drastic, you know, war fighters would be dying, all these things. So... um, it turned out I was really good at this and I was good with the efficiency of it like I had it down I would come in early I would call like I knew what was coming and then I would call the engineers prep all the things and then I would just like churn out these papers and they're like wow how do you know how to do that and it was funny like I didn't really think it was that hard Mm -hmm. but anyways they were very appreciative of that but after a year of doing that I was like okay i can't keep doing this this is not a real job in my mind right because i went to engineering school i wanted to do something a little bit more complex than writing papers so i started looking around and at that time i think it was like february in dc so very cold miserable kind of like it is here right now but um they send me to el segundo which is beach town in L.A. That sounds terrible. It sounds, yeah, it was awful. And the weather was gorgeous, and my hotel was overlooking the beach, and there were these cute boys on the beach, and I'm like, huh, I could do this job here? And so I start thinking about how do I get to California? So I came back, and I started talking to my girlfriend, who worked for Booz Allen at the time, and they were just opening an office in San Diego, which is just south of where I was. I'm like, Mm. Hmm okay so she had my resume and actually on her own without even me prompting she had already started circulating it and within a week i had an interview they were going to fly me back to california to have an interview and i'm like twist my arm so i went to san diego and within a week of interviewing with booze allen i was i had a job offer and i i quit my job in DC and I went home and I told my parents I'm like so I'm moving to California they thought I was joking they're like what and I said I'm moving to California I just gave my two weeks notice and I knew that I had to do that in order for them to be like it's real as opposed to asking because if I had asked Of course, they would have said, no. No, you need to stay here. You need to stay here. This is where your family is. And I was like, I'm leaving, bye. And I had had everything lined up because I knew my dad was also very practical. So he was gonna be the guy that's like, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And so I had like, as he went down the list, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. So then he looked at me and he's like, I guess you're going then. I'm like, okay. Um, So I ended up in San Diego and that was a really great move it was um i think it's what i needed to really mature as a person um and understand, you know, what I wanted finally, because I right. think I was too close to home, and it was always about whatever my parents wanted me to do. And I had my first apartment; like this is the, really the first time I was living on my own and had to take care of myself. And so it was scary and exciting all at the same time. Yeah, which I is, can imagine. Yeah, it was awesome, and I didn't know anybody in California so i had to start figuring out how to meet people so i had a friend in dc who had introduced me to one of his friend dear friends in uh in california and and she happened to be in san diego so i called her like cold called her and i'm like hey (laughs) I I i know justin and you know he said to say hello so we ended up i mean she's my oldest friend now and um she lives in maryland now but um she was awesome. She, I used to call her the mayor because she knew everybody in San Diego. So through her, I met the That's whole town. That's a good person town. to know. And we had events and things to do every day of the week. It almost got a little bit exhausting, I'll have to say, because I was like, I need to go to work sometimes. Right? <laughs> like, and it was like, you know, party after party. And I'm like, okay, I need, I need to take a break. I can only do this so much. And she was like 20 years older than me. I'm like, how are you doing this and functioning? Anyway, so it was so much fun. And um, the work was really rewarding. I, I bounced around a little bit. So after Booz Allen, I worked for um, <clears throat> the government. So I worked for Space and Naval Warfare Systems Command. Um, I did that for four years. And then I worked for L3 Communications. And then I worked for SAIC. So, um, and with SAIC, I spent, you know, the better part of my career. So that was like 20 years of SAIC. Most of that was in San Diego. And then um, we relocated to Austin, Texas. I opened up the innovation factory in Austin, Texas, and then uh, COVID hit. And it really didn't matter where we were living. And I was asked to move to Huntsville, Alabama, to come and uh, open our innovation factory here in Huntsville. And uh, now I work for Accent. I started with them last October and it's been great. I'm the executive director for digital innovation. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been an amazing journey, amazing career. I, you know, I'm so grateful for all of it.
1: Yes, wow. That's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) (sighs) Oh my goodness. So tell me about, in all of that, Um, when when did you get married Mm -hmm. when were your Mm -hmm. boys
0: born so let's see I got married in um, wow why am I blanking on this 2003 October I know right My husband's going to be like, you Really? Uh-huh, yeah. October 25th, 2003, it was in San Diego. We met through a, f- a co worker of mine. So I had a co worker who introduced me to his family, and their family sort of became my family in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Like I would go to church with them, I babysat the kids. You know, they were sort of the people that I went and had, you know, Sunday dinner kind of yeah. thing with. And they were amazing. And so she knew my husband when they were little, like, because they were both like Navy families and they had traveled all over the world together and so she kept telling me about this guy and so because I was starting to get homesick a little bit and I'm like maybe I should move back to DC and she's like no you're not moving and I said but I you know I'm not meeting people you know like yeah, I'm not meeting yeah, anybody here and so she's like I, I'm gonna take care of this and <laughs> that made me worried I'm like okay I don't want to be your project but um, so she was so sneaky. So she, like, one night um, I was going over there because I was taking night classes for my master's degree at the time. And she's like, Well, come over tonight. And normally, like, I would go over, like, in my sweatpants and my hair's, you know, all a mess and whatever. And so I go there, and there's this young, like, a baby, like, that's not her child. I'm like, Who is, who is this? And she's like, Oh, Kiernan. So, um, you know my friend Sherry's in town and this is her son and she just went out well this is my now sister-in-law and my now nephew-in-law oh. but i didn't know this at the time so and chris my husband had just picked up his sister to go watch a movie and he was going to come so she's like oh and oh by the, way, by the way later tonight when he drops her off you're going to get to meet this guy i've been telling you about I'm like I can't meet anybody right now. And I was so mad at her because I'm not like presentable. I don't, I'm like, I'm tired. You need preparation, need, like, you need to give know. Give a girl yeah. like a heads up that you're gonna Especially meet the love for of your go- life. Exactly. All right, so he shows up and it's funny because he wasn't expecting to meet me either and um so she totally blindsided both of us and so we just you know we're talking through the door because he's not coming in he was in the marine corps at the time and he had just gone through hand-to-hand combat training and so he was disheveled too and tired and had been beaten up by all these marines like all day long (laughs) so we just sort of smiled at each other and said hello and you know it was very like surface pleasantry kind yeah. of stuff but i did remember thinking oh he's cute yeah. um even though in my head i'm like marine like do i really want to meet date a marine i wasn't sure so that was pleasant and then i was still mad at my friend tina and so she's like well let's all have dinner tomorrow i'm like oh, you're pushing pushing Anyways, so we had dinner and I was fine with all of the stuff where it was group stuff, right? Cause yeah. that's fine, I need to eat and she was good cook. So we had dinner at her house the next night. And um, Chris and I got to talk and got to know each other. We had a lot in common cause we both traveled a lot when we were little and um, you know lived overseas. And has, so that was fun to meet somebody that had that background. And um, so, of course, you know, Tina's starting to plan more things. So she's like, well, let's go bowling this weekend. I said, fine. So uh, Friday was supposed to be bowling night. And she calls me at the last minute and she says, oh, Mark, my husband is so deathly ill. And so Chris is going to call you. And I'm like, Tina, I don't God, like you right now. I really hate you. <laughs> So, needless to say, we were set up, and uh, we went on our first date that night and watched a movie. It was uh, Pay It Forward with um, Helen Hunt, and uh, we had dinner, and it was lovely. I mean, we were we had a really good first date. Second date was a little bit sketchy, and I won't do this because we're trying to keep things PG. But... Um, Needless to say, the rest is history. And then as far as kids, so we got married in 2003. So we first met in 2000, and then three years later we got married. And uh, I'm pretty sure our first child was a honeymoon baby because I (laughs) was not uh disciplined with my birth control apparently but um yeah Surprise. so we, yeah exactly so very shortly after that uh in october we were uh we were expect what we delivered yeah. uh zach so zach came to us in uh 2004 and um so now do the quick math for us how exactly. old is he now he is 18. okay so, yeah, we can clock our marriage by, it's one year you can after. remember yeah. exactly where that falls. <laughs> yeah. So we've been married 19 years, and we had Zeke um, in 2006. So they're 23 months apart, and uh, so they're 16 and 18, and driving, high school, and it's fun. Yeah. It's been a fun journey. Yeah.
1: I imagine that things have changed quite a bit around your house as uh, they've grown, and I, I hear high school is... Challenging.
0: So you know, every stage has its has its story, I guess. Um, I would say the biggest thing that I've had to adjust to is their independence. Yeah, I've struggled a lot with that um, because you know we were it was basically always us because we never lived next to family, so they were the center of our universe and um i mean to a fault almost like we've looked back and we have thought well we should have taken care of our marriage a little bit more in the early years because it was like everything was about them all the time right their activities you know you know all the things that were happening with them and then so we moved as soon as they started high school like the first year they still kind of needed you know some help but then it very quickly became just they had it they had it under control And it did startle both my husband and I. I think we knew it was coming. And of course you want that independence for them and you want them to do that. that. But It's also terrifying. Oh my goodness. And we felt completely useless. And all of a sudden it was just he and I, and we're like, huh, I guess we should get to know each other again. (laughs) Let's figure this out, yeah. Um, So yeah, that was a rough transition. And I'm glad to say, I mean, I won't say that we're done because, you know, as soon as they leave the house, it's going to be another thing. But, um, you know, the fact that they're driving, like, Zach takes care of Zeke's stuff as far as, like, he needs a haircut. You know, he asks his brother. No, he doesn't ask me. And um, it, I have all this extra time now.
1: Right. <laughs> and
0: uh, so it's it's been, um, it's been a blessing in a lot of ways. And I'm so proud of both of them. And... Uh, You know, the young men that they are and able to manage their their lives. So I'm, you know, hopeful for what's to come. And uh, I hear that it all works itself out. Like, you know, as as far as, um, you know, they don't engage with us as much right now, right? They don't. It's that stage where they're they're a little more
1: hands off. They They are. are. And Arm's
0: length, mom. But I hear that it all comes back around yes. later. So yes, that's I'm what I am Excited, too. excited Looking for that. Looking forward yeah. to that. Yes,
1: <laughs> definitely. Well, so tell me, during all of this, uh-huh. you know, you've been pursuing your career. You're doing the family thing. You're focusing on them, but also I know that you were working. You did your your master's degree. Mm-hmm. You said was when you and Chris started
0: dating. Mm-hmm. So were you finished with that before mm-hmm. you had kids? You were still working on your master's degree. So yeah, the the master's degree was interesting. So I it was like fits and starts. And because um, I did, you know, I started when I was still in DC at Johns Hopkins. And then when I moved to San Diego, I was at San Diego State. And I don't think I quite found one, the degree that I wanted, or the the way to manage it like after school because everything was like in person Mm -hmm. so that was challenging because i would work a long day and then go home and then i'd have to go out to class and you know i'm not home till 10 and i'm like exhausted And this is even before i met chris um it was still like it was just it was a challenge um and i think i hadn't really mastered either the my ability to do multiple things and still you know um, Regain the energy that I needed to keep going. So it wasn't until I got married and actually I had The two kids that I started to really get serious because I think I could see where the trajectory of my career was going and I wanted these advanced degrees Um, So and my husband like Chris is just the most supportive human on the planet like anything that I wanted to do He was like yes, go do it and we'll we're fine and um So I signed up for an online program because this is when online degrees were becoming more popular and that was easier for me to manage because then I could fit it in wherever I needed to and I didn't have to be away from home. So the master's degree was fairly simple um, and I I carved out, you know, like 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. was my magical time because the house was quiet. And there was coffee and I could think like the day had not taken over my brain. Yes. So it was great. I could read, I could write, I could produce. And um, I know that
1: I, in the mornings, I'm a morning person too. Yeah. And so I know in the mornings when I wake up and it's like, sometimes 4.30, 5.30, I'm like, oh, I could text Quan right now and she'd oh, be yeah. up too because yep. she's an early bird like me. <laughs> so I'm the same way. Like I have that morning time is my most productive time. So magical. And by the end of the day, I'm done.
0: Right, yeah. I can't. And that's what I realized. Like when I came home, I could not focus. Like, I, and it would be counterproductive. Yes, Like absolutely. You could, you're beating your head up against a wall. And like, I'm like, why am I fighting this so hard? So yeah, mornings were great. And I got the, the master's degree done. Um, around like 2008, 2009, and so the, the kids were, you know, they were, they were young, they were still under the age of five, and I realized that, so work, you know, was, I enjoyed my job, but there were aspects of it that were frustrating, and what I realized was that having this academic piece in my life, was enough to sort of rejuvenate me and like turned on parts of my brain that I didn't realize needed getting needed turned on It's what you and needed. it is yeah. what I needed and it balanced me even though it was more work but I was happier and I was fueled and so I wanted to keep going and yeah. so I had no intention of doing a doctorate except I just wanted to keep learning yeah um, because it was it was helping me and um, so I, st- I found an online doctoral program because that was the thing I was worried about, that if I had to go into a class, right. that that, again, was not sustainable. So um, I did find an online program through University of Maryland. And so that was good because, um, you know, I was had ties back to my alma mater from undergrad and it um, – And it was online, but there was still a there was an in-person component. It was like a residency. So every every semester we had a long weekend that we would meet the faculty. We would meet with our cohort that we were taking the class with. So it was the best of both worlds. Like I didn't have to be in person, but I met a lot of amazing people. And that doctorate program, I mean, my cohort. So we started with 20 and I graduated with approximately six of them. I mean all executives from like Coca-Cola, like there was a faculty member from, uh, or not faculty, a researcher from Cornell, um, Johnson and Johnson, I mean like major corporations yeah. and they were my fellow, that were my s- fellow students yeah. and um, it was a very, it was a very special program. I loved my doctoral program. Um, Are you still connected with them? Do you still utilize those friendships and relationships? Absolutely. So they, um... They, one, got me through the program, and two, I still stay in touch, and I'm an adjunct faculty now. Um, so it's funny, like, when you first start the doctoral program, I mean, I was already pretty advanced in my career at that point, And so I went in feeling pretty, like, cocky, I guess, like, that I knew what I wanted to study. And mm-hmm. I already really knew this. You know, you could just give me the degree. And I remember my dissertation chair very quickly, like... Um, correcting my attitude Mm -hmm. and saying you know you don't know anything an
1: attitude Mm. from you i know i know it's it's
0: weird um i don't know what she was talking about but anyways so (laughs) um so yeah and it was what i loved about that is so i started being corrected and then by the end of it she treated me like a colleague and that's when i knew that it was that yes. was how it was supposed to be. And it was very special. And so that relationship with the faculty, I wanted to keep going. And so now I am an adjunct. So since graduation, I've been an adjunct professor uh, since 2013. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And then you're fun. also an adjunct professor at University of Alabama in Huntsville.
0: I and just then- started. Yeah. So I just got enrolled as an adjunct uh, in locally. So with Alabama um, it's the College of Engineering and then uh, Alabama a and um, I'm in the College of Business and that's the one I have an actual like, in-person class. so that's been uh, I like that in person because everything else I teach online um, just to establish you know the relationship with the students and be able to mentor them. Absolutely. yeah it's there's been a different very component cool. there
1: yeah. in person versus online. Yeah for sure. That's so cool. I didn't I didn't know all of that story. so I love that that I'm getting to learn more about you as we do this um so tell me about as you're navigating that is there is there mom guilt is there you know you're pursuing your career Mm -hmm. you're pursuing your degrees and what's important you know for you along the way and of course you're setting an example for your boys as you're doing that because they're watching everything you do they're learning as you know as you're going along they're seeing you and seeing how you know mommy is mommy's doing good things mommy's going to school mommy's working um but but how does that affect you as a mom being away from them or or getting up those super early hours and putting in the work what is that experience like
0: so it was hard and it was always hard um yeah i i would say it never went away it never got easier um i always felt guilty i always felt bad that i was not home all the time, or that even if I was home, I was not focused on them 100%. Um, I did take time, like whenever the my babies were born, you know, I think there was like six months that I did, you know, spend time with them, obviously, before we, you know, did daycare or whatever it was. And, um, But yeah, I remember the first time uh, dropping Zach off at daycare, I thought my heart was being ripped out um so That's it was hard. my husband and I we went together and I knew I needed him because otherwise I was never gonna go and I left him and he was crying and um yeah I started crying and my husband literally had to like extract me from the building and fortunately he's a marine and he's strong enough to do that <laughs> uh, he's like you have to go to work and I said I can't do this and he's like yes you can get in the car go And, um, so thank God for him because, uh, we were well matched in that he was able to, you know, tell me when I needed, when I needed help, he was there in the way that I needed him to tell me to keep going. Yes. And that first um, experience that's crushing mm,
1: to drop them off that first time.
0: It is so hard. I mean, I still feel it today. And then, um, Yeah. Anytime it was like, you know, my youngest starting kindergarten and leaving him in a brand new school and he did not knowing anybody Mm -hmm. and like just uh, empathizing with that feeling of, I don't, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah. And um, yeah, I have so many of those memories or like traveling. Like I always tried whenever I was traveling to. Um, you know, make it as short as possible. I remember I got really good at taking red eyes mm-hmm. because I wanted to minimize the time yes. that I was away from home. Yes. And But it was exhausting. It was very exhausting. Um, and then when I was home, I mean, I was like almost overcompensating for not for being away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, birthday parties were over the top and like the sporting events were over the top. Everything I did was like trying to make up for the fact that I wasn't always around. Right. And I know that my husband sometimes was just like, you know, they don't need to be this busy. But I think I needed that because it was my way of saying, okay, I'm here. Mom I, love is here. I'm I love you. I'm showing you that. You. that- right. Yes. Yes. And that if we didn't do it that way, like, what was I doing? What I, what was the tangible evidence that I was being a good mom?
1: but but I want to ask you this now yeah. because now your boys are bigger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're seeing them as you know they don't need you as much mm-hmm. they're very independent in mm-hmm. that stage what is that like because I imagine now you're seeing some of those things that they learned watching you mm-hmm. you know as mm-hmm. you've put in the work as you have you know done the things and they they saw your struggle but they saw how hard you worked to mm-hmm. get there mm-hmm. Are you seeing that in them now, yes. like rubbing off on them?
0: So I started seeing it early. So I'll tell a couple stories. So Zeke, my youngest, I remember when I was doing my doctorate, I really wanted them to understand why I was going back to school. And academic stuff for me has always been so important and for my husband too. But um, like I never wanted them to feel like school was an option but like that you could just decide that you didn't want to go to school. Yeah. And so for me, when I was doing my doctorate, I wanted them to understand what I was doing. Like this is mommy's third degree and I, you know, I'm learning and I'm going to school just like you're going to school. And I have teachers and I have homework and they grade me. And so it was interesting. I remember going on a camping trip and Zeke was like, you know, in his little backpack with his buddy walking ahead of me. And I could hear him saying things like, be like, yeah, so I think I'm going to go get my undergrad. And then afterwards, like, and he's five. Like, so he doesn't understand. <laughs> what that, five-year-old like, talks about their like undergrad. He's not, yeah. un- you know, the words I'm sure were just repeating the yes. things that I've said to him. And then he's like, and then I think I'm going to pursue my doctorate also. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. But I, your heart like exploded I in was that moment. I so <laughs> excited. I mean, because... It made me feel like okay, so there is some good that's coming out of me being away from them. Yes. And then now that they, I'm watching them as young men, you know, take care of their careers. You know, you always worry about your children, but, um, you know, the I remember being really busy, and I still was driving them uh, to school. And I'm that, that was I was always when I was home, that was a rule. I wanted to take them to school and pick them up if I could. Because that was magic time in the car. Because if they didn't talk to me any other time of the day, at least I had that time in the car. And they were the most talkative because they were just ready to say things. And then the rest of the day, it was like, you know, radio silence. But um, so Zeke is telling me and he's like, he had been prepping me for a couple of these rides about this job that he was interested in over the summer. And so I'm listening, but I'm also distracted. I'm thinking about my day, work, the things. And so finally, like he's telling me, it's basically he's gonna get trained as a teller with Redstone Federal Credit Union over the summer. And we had to make sure we weren't away because those were mandatory training days and that then it it turned into a job that was a class basically in high school where he was money managing, like being a teller in the high school bank. And so I'm like trying to piece all this together in my head and I'm like, okay, wait, what? So there was this whole lengthy application apparently to get there. His teacher, first of all, had to recommend him. So his business teacher recommended him to apply. Then he applies. He interviews with the general manager of the bank and the principal. And you know none of this. I have no idea. And he's filling out these applications like a legit job with the I 9 and the W 2 and the. What? Like, you know, pee in a cup and all the things. And I'm like, who are you right now? Like, I'm looking at my 16 year old and I'm so confused. I'm like, you did all of this? And he said, yeah. It's not a big deal, mom. And I said it is a massive. It is a massive deal.
1: Most like when kids move out of the house, they're calling. my I mean, I still call my mom all the time to say, "What do I do? What do I do? (laughs) Yeah, how do I do this?" And he
0: asked for no help, zero help. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure school was very supportive, but that's a lot. That was a lot. I was so impressed. And now and proud. proud, Oh my God! And I was said this is amazing and I'm you know I keep telling him how proud he is or how proud I am of him and he's like okay just calm down and um so now he's so into it like he wants to keep doing this into adulthood he wants to go into finance and banking and I'm like that's amazing Um, and then Zach it's funny so Zeke has always been my self-starter like I've never had to remind him to do homework or You know, to get his chores done or anything like he's always like the kid that was more like me Mm -hmm. because he he was a planner and he got it done. And I never had to worry about that. Zach, on the other hand, brilliant mind. Very, very smart. So more like my husband and um, just not studious, though. So didn't never cracked a book, yeah. you know. Wouldn't do the homework until the last possible second, and it would drive me insane. Mm-hmm. He's also my one kid where I can say hello the wrong way, and he's in the ceiling, and you know we're pushing each other's buttons left and right. He is getting ready to apply to colleges, so this was his junior year and beginning of senior year, and I am like trying to be supportive but also like are things getting done without right. driving him insane or myself insane so this is very tricky because I am again type a aggro with the you know these are the and, colleges and, and these he is are not. The things and he is not that person and so navigating this was very stressful for me actually because this was the most important thing in my mind for him and I wanted it to be his thing, but at the same time, I was so invested. I'm like, I gave birth to you. I want you to go yes. to college. It's just the most important thing without putting a lot of pressure on him. And I know that I did, even though I was trying to not, that just because he knows how important it is to me, that it was it was pressure for him. Yeah. And um, so we're getting ready to meet with this college counselor in high school and I'm trying to let this be his thing so he scheduled it he, it's his meeting and I'm just there to support so we go there and I don't even know what's go. I have no clue what his the thinking process is so we get there and you know the counselors basically just talking to Zach because it's yeah. I'm just here to support and uh, and I know I'm yeah. just not gonna say anything. he's on his own
1: he's got this
0: So, and I'm dying, though, to know what the answer to these questions are. So, the first question is, so, Zach, which colleges are you planning on applying to? And I'm, like, on the edge of my seat. I'm, like, I'm so ready to hear the answer. Because every other, whenever I have asked at home, you know, it's been like, Mom, I got this. Please, gotcha." you know. And so, he's rattling it off. You know, he's got the list, and these are my safety schools. These are my reach schools. These are the schools I really want. And I was so blown away by him. I mean, I think that was the first time for real. Like, Because at this point, I'm proud of both my boys. And I'm excited for them. And I know they're going to be fine. But I, it was that moment that I heard him talking to his counselors that I was like, we're going to be okay. Everything yeah. is fine. I don't need to worry about this anymore. He's got this. He's got it. And honestly, it was like very... Um, I felt like a weight was lifted off of me that cause I was worried about it. Right. And that was the first moment that I was like, he's going to be fine. That's awesome. What a great amazing. feeling. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. As a so mom, good. because
1: I think you worry, I mean, you, you start worry. worrying as soon and as, as soon worried, as you know. Yeah. 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 That's mm, amazing. So, um, let's move. We've just got a few more minutes, sure. but, um, I want to talk about your, 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 uh, your Uh, how do we say your your journey in yourself Mm -hmm. and learning more about who you are you've been doing some yoga you've been doing some journaling um we've we've talked about the enneagram some and so tell us a little bit about that and what that looks like in your life and also how has that changed you
0: now that you're doing some of that work yeah so um I would say probably 2018 is when I got serious about figuring things out. I mean, I had done some coaching, executive level coaching before that. um, But in 2018, I had some really big challenges at work. And I think for the first time, I was acknowledging that this was um, like I needed to work on myself as a leader, as a professional Uh, To figure out, you know, what it is I really wanted to do up until that point I think my my career path had been pretty serendipitous Mm -hmm. like great opportunities would just manifest themselves and it would just be like Oh, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go do that. And then for the first time because I had this challenge um, I Needed to sort of do some deeper Thinking about who I was and what I was doing and what I wanted to be when I grew up. Was that scary? It was and unnerving and like um, I didn't understand why I was in this position. Like I didn't realize that this is exactly what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did have a professional coach that I had hired, and we she introduced me to the Enneagram. She was the first one to talk to me about that, and a lot of different um, personality kind of tests. So we did, um, you know, the Colby test, which is was really great at test. Cog, uh, conative skills, so not cognitive, but mm-hmm. conative, which was all about how do you derive your energy? So that goes back to, you know, when I recognized that studying and academics were, like, lit up a part of my brain that was fueling me. Right. Like, figuring those things out. What are those things? So being more intentional about what are the things that are energy producing as opposed to energy draining. Absolutely. Super important. And that important. was really, like, eye-opening. That was the first time I had heard it in that context. Yeah and then uh... we did sort of the the gallop Strengths test too um, and i forget there was one other one disc. Um, did you do disc uh, no but i have heard that, that i, I oh, okay. need to do that one yeah. um, so that was you know we did a lot of those kinds of things we also did a lot of discussion around values and needs like what was it, what was i missing because that was clear to me there was something that mm-hmm. was still missing in, in the way that i was managing my life and my career and um, I had, as a result of my dissertation, um, I also started looking at mindfulness mm-hmm. and the connection of the interaction or the intersection of mindfulness and being creative, being innovative at work, and really um, sort of creating more, right? More content, better products, better processes, better teams. Um, and creating that really exciting engagement that you want at work, where you are you know, riffing off of each other and you have excitement about the thing that you're doing. So I started studying that more, uh, but it was very intellectual. So it was very um, like academic in terms of, I wasn't practicing mindfulness, but I was reading a lot about it. Mm-hmm. So then when I came to um, Huntsville, I met our mutual friend, Christina, and so she's a yoga practitioner teacher and she's amazing. And by she the way. is amazing. So if anybody, you know, needs to yes. do anything, uh, you know, to sort of explore this part of their practice, she's a really great coach. Christina Lynn. Yes, we can get, we can add that to the show Absolutely. notes. Absolutely, yeah. So this is the first time I had taken like group yoga classes before at the gym and things like that but never like integrated it into my life. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time that I mean she breaks it down like so in in a class with her I don't, you know, do a whole bunch of yoga poses. It might only be three or four poses that we do, but they're slow, they're deliberate and it's all about slowing down the mind and connecting with the breath. And really practicing uh, yoga. And that's hard. It was very hard. That's
1: really hard. And
0: I can imagine for you, knowing
1: you and knowing how you process things and how you go, 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 that had to be very challenging. It
0: was. And I mean, she worked hard on me, like getting me to just slow my mind down, slow down in the way that I was doing a pose. Because I'd be like, I already know how to do down face dog. But she wanted me to do it slowly, Mm -hmm. break it down, do step by step, make sure that every muscle is exactly where it needs to be. And it's, it was fascinating to me. So it took at least six months before I finally started to get it. But once I got it, I mean, I tell her this all the time, she changed my life. She completely changed my life because I finally understood how to connect to myself and how to slow myself down and how to not react. Like, I think I always knew I needed to control the reaction to things like when I got upset or when I was sad or whatever. But for the first time I knew, I, I knew how to manage that for myself. And it's changed my relationships. I'm a better wife, I'm a better mother, I'm a better person to work with at work. And I still have, you know, my extreme moments with my personality, but it has calmed me in a way um, that has just made my relationship so much more rich.
1: So what would your life have looked like? Do you think things would have been a little different if you had found this earlier in
0: motherhood or? So that's interesting. I mean, I'm sure, yes. But I think at the same time, and you know, I think our listeners probably all all um, experience this. There's a time for everything, absolutely. And I think so. The timing was right, where I was ready to receive it. Yes. And I think had I had read about this before, I had even gone to a yoga class, and I'm sure there was a teacher that probably talked about what I was experiencing. And she was probably saying all the right things, but
1: you weren't. I wasn't ready.
0: I was not ready. And I think for the first time. I was in a moment in my life where I absolutely needed it. And it was with a person who knew how to connect to me mm-hmm. because, um, you know, and, and that matters, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, who your teachers are, who your bosses, all those things like that relationship is what forms what you get out of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think the timing was timing is everything. Yeah. And Christina was the right teacher for me too to get me to open it up.
1: I love that. Yeah, that's so awesome. And she's, like I said, she's so great. She really is. Um, So any advice for you looking back, if you were to give either for your younger self Mm -hmm. or for moms who are maybe in that stage of I'm trying to pursue my career or I'm working on my education, but I'm also juggling motherhood is pure chaos. My kids are little and needy and any words of wisdom?
0: Yeah, I mean, so many things. But um, I think the biggest thing is that no matter what you decide, whether you decide to stay home or whether you decide to be this hard-charging executive, you're fine. Like, do the thing that you want to do. Communication with your partner is critical, like about whatever it is that you decide you want to do, um, because that partner is what's going to make it all the make all the difference I think you know I could not have done the things I did without Chris um, without him having a hundred and twenty million percent of my back and um, I knew even though I felt guilty every time I left my babies that he had them and he they were gonna be okay and so um, so having that partner that just uh, makes it all work is so critical Um, trusting that partner so not, and I, you know, I, we are still going through that probably a little bit, but not coming home and being critical about why the house isn't the way it should be, or that the meals aren't exactly what they need to be. Um, so being patient with all of that, right? Manage expectations and, um, just know that you have time. I think one of the things when your babies are little, you think you're running out of time with them. And there's plenty of time. I mean, my boys are 18 and yeah, while I think time has gone by fast, I mean, we've had good time with them. You know, we've had the family vacations, we've had the birthday parties, we've celebrated all the major milestones together. And you know, when they're little, just enjoy it, be in the moment, be mindful of the moment and don't feel like, you know, it's going to go so fast because it doesn't go that fast. And, um, Yeah. So, and know that they are going to be fine. Children are way more resilient than we give them credit for. Absolutely. And so mom not being there for one dinner or, you know, doing what she's doing, like you were saying, I mean, they observe more than anything and that's how they learn. And, you know, I think the biggest gift I've given to my boys, hopefully, is that you know, they should have a partner in their life that's an equal partner. And so I think, I, I hope that they've observed that with Chris and I, that, you know, we help each other. There's no gender stereotype in our house about what a dad should be or what a mom should be or anything, and it's, it's whatever you decide is right for your family. And so if they want a, a wife that's, you know, an equal to them, I think that's what they're going to want. Um, because that's what they've seen
1: yeah yeah and and i think that it goes back to you know what you said a second ago about you have to decide that for yourself mm-hmm. and what matters to you and mm-hmm. that's the whole premise of this podcast is defining what success looks like so yes. that led great into our next
0: question and what kwan is success for you so you know i've thought about this in so many different ways over the course of my life so far and You know, in the beginning, it felt very linear, maybe. Like, I wanted to achieve these things, right? I wanted these degrees, and I wanted this title, and I wanted this salary, and I wanted these things for my kids. And it was very sort of typical. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, recently, and it has been very recent, so it's taken me, you know, a long time to get here. Um, I have found joy like real joy, and that's different than happiness because I think it's unreasonable to expect happiness all the time. Absolutely. Right? Bad things happen, and work is hard, and family's hard, and marriages are hard. So happy every day is not an objective. But I do want joy, which is more sustainable. And so I finally r- realized what that means for me, and um, relationships are critical for me friendships I mean I've had the best friendships re- in my you know in my late 40s than I have ever had and I've always had great friends don't get me wrong but they're right they're deeper they're more nurturing um they're more real and um I'm able to share parts of myself that I don't think I was ever able to before and that to me is what success looks like and um giving back. I think if I could get paid for all of the things that I do with like women in tech, women in defense, women in cyber, you know, the OWN Foundation, um, helping women of all ages to achieve the things that they want to achieve and showing them, sharing with them my experience and what I have learned. Um, and not that I need other people to emulate me but if they want to be in the field that I'm in I want to be a good example for what that looks like and to help them get there
1: I love that and I think it's so important especially for some of you know everybody doesn't have someone that they can look up to that they can ask the questions to they don't have the support system or the community or whatever and so being able to find women you know I like I said was was so blessed by just getting to have that relationship with you and get to know you even though we're not in the same field Mm -hmm. but just having encouragement from somebody who's actually doing the things Mm -hmm. and so i just love that you you really are wonderful and i'm so glad to know you
0: and you are wonderful and i'm so glad to know you too and i'm really proud of all the things that you've been doing um you know that took courage to approach somebody um in in that uh, networking event that we were in together. And, um, I'm proud to call you my friend. Oh,
1: me too. Oh my goodness. Okay. No crying. <laughs> All right. So real quick,
0: let's do a rapid fire. Yes. Okay. Um, tell me what is your coffee order? Recently it's the shaken espresso, toasted val- vanilla, iced shaken espresso at Starbucks.
1: With how many shots? Because I know the answer to this. Four shots of espresso. I think my heart would explode. Every time Quan's like, oh, I'm getting it. <laughs> I can't. I can't without much. I think I would die. Okay, next question. How clean does your house stay on a scale of one to
0: ten? Pretty close to ten. So I have to say I have help. Um, I have had a cleaning lady forever. Uh, so in different cities, of course. And recently, so I didn't have one in, originally in Huntsville, but now with, uh, you know, my my job. Um, I do have a cleaning lady.
1: I think that's great. And I think it's,
0: we it's magical. And, you know, ladies don't feel like you have to do everything. That's the other thing. If you are a career person, please don't do everything. Yes. Delegate. It, yes. Get help. Absolutely. There is no shame.
1: No shame in, in hiring somebody to come and help or in doing a meal planning thing. that With comes your, your neighbors. To your door, like all all, the all of the things. Yeah. It's any help that you can get definitely do that. Use the village that. too. Yes. Like your
0: friends will help you. Yes. Just use them. Yes. It's so hard to ask for help. It but it is hard. so,
1: once you do it, it is so much easier. It makes all Just, the difference. Yes. Um, number three, a book or show you have recently loved.
0: So a book that I'm reading is called uh, Forces for Good and it's about negotiations as a woman and ways to improve your ability to negotiate. And I love, first of all, the cover. It's a woman carrying a coffee cup and wearing a cape, and I think walking a dog maybe at the same time. (laughs) But um, it just, it makes me smile. And the book is so important because women do need to find their voice and be able to negotiate for the things that they want Absolutely, and it's hard and it right? is very it's very hard. hard because you feel like you sh- maybe you know whether it's imposter syndrome or whatever where you feel like you shouldn't be asking for the things that you mm-hmm. want, but you absolutely should. Yes. And there's easy ways to practice. So she has these little exercises, like just doing it at the grocery store, asking for what's on sale, or asking if something that you want that's not on sale could be on sale, or that you could get a coupon or whatever. And it's little simple things that if you just practice it a little bit at a time, wherever you go, it strengthens the muscle. Uh,
1: I love that. And mm-hmm. you guys know I'm a big proponent of that with tiny habits, with yes. you know, including little things in your life, in the way that they're gonna add up, and you're training your brain over yes. time. So it feels silly to to go to the grocery store and say, "Man, you know, I go for like the eggs, right?" But right it's training your brain and then it gives you that um confidence confidence yeah and in knowing that oh yeah
0: i can do this i can and now i'm gonna go ask my boss for a raise exactly because i and i can do it and i can do it because i i got a discount on the eggs (laughs) right so now i'm capable of asking for a raise i love it okay and last question most random item in your purse so it is Chinese New Year, and I had uh, I have red envelopes to pass out lucky money to my friends because um, it's tradition in in, uh, in China in the Chinese culture to uh, to give people lucky money and that's a sign of good luck, good fortune, and all the good things That's awesome and we're recording
1: this in January. It'll release a little later, but I, that's so fun. I love it. On, thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you next time with our next guest on the Successful Mama podcast. Thank you. So thank you. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Successful Mama podcast. For more information, head on over to SuccessfulMamaPodcast.com where you can find show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode. Tap that share button and remember to tag at Successful Mama podcast. And make sure to go leave a review. It really does help. A special thanks to Will Carruthers. Until next time, remember, Mama, success looks more than one way, and it's up to you to define it.